you may be wondering, um, this next picture, what's going on there? That's my father-in-law. That's John. And uh, John is reading the Christmas story from the book of Luke chapter 2. When we go to Shannon's folks' house for Christmas uh, each year, uh, we sit down and he pulls out the Bible and he reads Luke chapter 2 as we gather around. We do a bunch of things when we go there. One of the things that we do is we sit, at, sit down at the piano. And by we, I, I don't mean me. Um, we sit down at the piano. Uh, Shannon's mom in the past has played the piano, and they sing. Shannon and her dad and her mom sing Christmas carols. While, and her brother, they all sing Christmas carols. And Shannon's sister-in-law and I sit on the couch and in a bah humbug kind of way make fun of them. Um, in kind of a, a bahungbug way. Um, but my, my favorite thing, my favorite thing about going to the Kilhofer residence for Christmas is this, is when we sit down and we read the Christmas story from Luke 2. And last, this is from 2009. Uh, Jonathan wanted Woody to hear the story as well, so he put Woody in Grandpa's lap, uh, and Jonathan curled up next to me on the couch, and we listened to the account from Luke chapter 2. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That is where our story uh, is found. We're going to use that passage as we talk about angels today. We've been talking about the songs of Christmas on Sunday morning, and uh, the songs of Christmas uh, that we've talked about so far, We Three Kings, we talked about Come Thou Long Expected Jesus last week, and today we're talking about the angels. Angels We Have Heard on High. It's a song we sang at the beginning of our service today. It's one of my very, very favorite Christmas songs. Uh, I always liked the bass line of Gloria uh, when I used to sing bass and choir in high school. Um, we have two more songs to go. Next week, we're going to talk about joy to the world. We're celebrating Christmas as a church family next Sunday morning, so our, our official Christmas service uh, is going to be next Sunday morning uh, at uh, 10.30. So we'll, we'll, we'll do that next week, talk about joy to the world, and then we're going to talk about Silent Night on Christmas Eve at 6 o'clock p.m. We'll have our, our new tradition of an, a Christmas candlelight service on Christmas Eve at 6 o'clock p.m. here at the church building. That service will go about 45 minutes or so, uh, and we're going to sing a ton of Christmas carols. Uh, that's just what I like to do, and I'm in charge, so yeah. Um, <laughs> angels are one of the oldest subjects of Christmas songs. The first one that we can think of, the first one that we have on record, goes back to 129 AD. And it was called the Angel's Hymn. And it was a song about the angels appearing to uh, the, the shepherds. I think that's kind of neat that it goes back and, and angels have kind of we've been fascinated by them for centuries obviously. And I, I love the story that takes place in Luke 2 that we're going to read in just a minute. Uh, this hymn, Angels We Have Heard on High, was taken from a French carol uh, called Les Agnes dans nos Campagnes, which means, I don't know, I don't remember that much French from high school. Um, I took French for three and a half years. Uh, for three years in high school, I don't remember hardly any of it except how to say Les Agnes dans nos Campagnes, and it sounds somewhat French. Anyway, uh, so it was taken from a French carol, a French hymn, and in 1855 it was put together in a collection of Christmas carols, and now we know it today as angels we have heard on high. In Luke chapter 2, we get a very clear picture of the birth of our Savior. Shannon, for call to worship this morning, read from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. If you would grab a Bible and turn there, we're going to talk about the angels that the shepherds heard on high. 
Angels appear four times in the birth narratives about Jesus. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as it talks about, oh, I'm sorry, in Matthew and Luke, as it talks about the birth of Christ, angels show up four times. They appear in a couple of different times to Joseph in dreams. They appear to Zechariah, who was John the Baptist's father. They appear to Mary. And then they appear to shepherds. What's interesting is, in each instance, when an angel appears, the first thing out of the angel's mouth, anybody know what it is? Do not be afraid. That blonde-haired, angel-looking thing up there, I don't imagine that that's what they look like. If the first thing out of an angel's mouth that appears to you is, do not be afraid, there's something there to be afraid of. Either it's the fact that they poof out of nowhere and you don't expect it, or they are some kind of fierce-looking, awesome-looking, incredible being. Not necessarily, if you all remember the show, Touched by an Angel, not looking like Roma Downey at all. Um, so what does an angel look like? That's what I want to know. But the first thing out of their mouth is, do not be afraid. And they come to bring a message. Uh, the Greek word angelos literally means messenger. And they are messengers of God. In Luke chapter 2, we're going to pick up in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says that the heavens just exploded with a host of angels. Hundreds of angels. Maybe thousands of angels. The sky just explodes with angels. The, the heavens cannot contain the joy of this proclamation. The heavens cannot, it can no longer hold back what the angels knew. Because the angels knew what this represented. That this Savior, born in the city of David, was going to save everyone from their sins. That this Savior who was born was going to bring freedom, was going to bring righteousness, was, going, was a gift of God's grace to humanity. That this gift, wrapped in, a, in cloths and lying in a manger, was going to change the world. History hinges on this event. It is an awesome thing. I had a long conversation with one of our elders yesterday about the importance of Christmas. It was very interesting because we had, I, I had a view and he had a view and we, our views didn't quite sync up, but he made a very good point that this event changed the world. And it is a good thing to celebrate it. It is a wonderful thing to celebrate the birth of Christ because it changed the the world. It is an event about which we sing songs, about which we put up decorations, about which we tell stories. It is an event much like for the, for the Jews of the Old Testament, the Passover. And for we living uh, post-New Testament, and living in the New Testament era, in, under the New Covenant, this is the event that changed the world. The birth of Christ, God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. 
This is the pivotal event of history. In fact, when you look at the calendar, it is the pivotal event of history. It separates old from new. B.C. A.D. It is the pivotal event of history. Eclipsed only by one other. And that was the resurrection of Jesus. But we'll talk about that in a few months. I promise. Um, so we have the angels who show up throughout the story of Christ's birth. And what's amazing to me is, like I said, they show up to Joseph, a carpenter, Zechariah, a priest, to Mary, a virgin, and to some shepherds. And shepherds weren't very high in the pecking order of things. Uh, they were pretty low in the totem pole as far as um, social status was concerned. They smelled like sheep. I don't know if you've ever smelled a sheep before, but it's not someone you want to hang around with for a long time. And so you have the, the shepherds and, and, and the priest and the virgin and the carpenter. Why don't angels show up to announce the birth of Christ to like famous people? Why didn't they show up to Caesar in Rome and say, a Savior's born in, in Bethlehem? Why don't they show up to, to the governor of the region? A Savior has been born. Why didn't, he, why didn't the angels show up to those who were powerful and influential? I don't know that they would have believed him. I don't know that they were looking for him. Yet they show up to the humble. They show up to the meek. They show up to the lowly. No one extraordinary. But you know what? They were extraordinary in this. They were handpicked by God to spread the message that a Savior had been born. Two things that I, I think of in light of the story of the angels that the shepherds heard on high. There's two things that, that we need to do in order to be like the angels. Two things that we can do to be a little bit more like them. Uh, the first is we need to proclaim the good news for all to hear. We need to proclaim the good news for all to hear. If you have a, a bulletin, you can turn into the to the third page to the outline there. And... Uh, we need to proclaim the good news for all to hear. That's the first blank on there. I want to read some, some passages of Scripture for you that I think really highlight the importance of this. The first one is Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We know it as the Great Commission. If we want to be like the angels of the Christmas story, we need to proclaim the good news for all to hear. And this is what Matthew 28, 19, and 20 says. This is Jesus' words. He says, Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We need to share the gospel. We need to spread the good news. One of the things that we say every Sunday in our mission statement and I think the hardest one, you know, we can love God, we can love others but it's spreading the gospel that is the difficult one. It is spreading the gospel that we tend to put on the back burner. It's spreading the gospel. We think, ah, I don't know that I can do that. That's really kind of hard. Telling other people about Jesus, I don't know that I'm qualified. Or I don't know that I'm good enough to tell other people about Jesus. I just, I just don't think I can do it. Yet it is the, one, it's the last command that Jesus gave to his disciples. Go and make other disciples. Go and make others what you are. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you to the very end of the age. We spread the gospel. In Romans 1.16, Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. It is the gospel. In Ephesians 1.13 and 14, 
Paul wrote to the Ephesians, you were also included in Christ Jesus when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We spread the gospel. We share the good news. With everyone that we come into contact with, we need to have the good news on our lips, ready to tell people about Jesus Christ and the difference that he has made. What has Jesus done for you? What has God saved you from through his son, Jesus Christ? What does the baby lying in the manger or the em- all the way to the empty tomb, what does the good news about Christ mean to you? What does it mean to you? Is it just a reason to get up on a Sunday morning? Is it just a reason to come to church? Is it just a re- What has God done for you through His Son, Jesus? How has that changed your life? How has that changed your eternal destination? What is the difference that Jesus makes on a daily basis? We, uh, we have to share the gospel. We have to tell people because the gospel is the only thing that can save people from their sins. The good news of Jesus Christ is the only hope that the world has to hear the message and to believe the message, to repent and turn away from sins, to confess their faith, to be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, to go on and live a faithful life. In, in the book of Philippians, in chapter 1, verse 27, once we have heard the message and believed the message and obeyed the message, Paul writes that we are to conduct, our, conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. What does it mean to live in a manner worthy of the gospel? That is faithfulness until death that is the good news of Jesus that is the good news of the gospel that we can be saved and that we will be saved if we will accept Christ's offer of salvation and it is a free gift it is a wonderful free gift and that is the second thing that we do we praise God for the gift of his son we praise God for the gift of his son and it truly is a gift a gift of his grace a gift of his love You know, the angels knew. The angels understood. They knew what it meant. They knew that Christ's birth represented salvation for everyone. That salvation was possible for anyone who would believe. The angels understood that, and yet we don't seem to understand it very well. And that it is a free gift of God's grace. It is a free gift of His love. In Ephesians, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, Paul wrote, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life. In Matthew, in chapter 7, Jesus talked about how God loves to give good gifts to His children. He compares a, a father who, whose children asks Him for bread. His children ask him for bread and says, and he says, what would you do? Would you give him a snake? No. Would you give him a rock? No. If your children ask you for bread, what are you going to do? You're going to feed them. You're going to give them bread. How much more then will your heavenly Father, who is perfect in every way and has perfect love for each of us, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? God is a giver of good gifts the gift of eternal life, the gift of His Holy Spirit. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We are saved by grace through faith, and it's not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, a free gift of God's grace. 
When was the last time you got something for free? Think about it for just a minute. When was the last time you got something for free? And what is our response to free things? <laughs> Jeff is like, yay, I like free things. You know what people tend to, we, we don't believe it, do we? There's got to be a catch. Kind of like when you get something in the mail, you get a little flyer in the mail, you know, come to this resort and we'll give you a free color TV. Just sit through a 90-minute presentation, right? Here comes the, here's the catch. Here's the sales pitch. And that's what we, that's what we tend to think. We think, oh, you know, something's, there's got to be a catch. Nothing in this world is free. There are no free lunches, right? With God, it's not just lunch, it's dinner and dessert. With God, his salvation is free. It is a free gift of his grace. It is a free gift of his love. His son Jesus was the ultimate Christmas gift. And he gave it for each and every one of us. He gave it for all of us. He has given us good gifts to every single one of us. I don't know that I can explain that any clearer. I don't know that I can fully appreciate it until I see, until I get to heaven. But there is no catch. There is no sales pitch. There is no high pressure sales pitch. It's a gift. What will you do with that gift? We need to proclaim the gift. We need to praise God for the gift. We need to thank God for the gift. We need to celebrate the gift. Not just at Christmas time. We celebrate it year round, every day. We get so caught up in the, in the struggles and the troubles and the trials of this world. And we get so bogged down with them. And we forget to praise Him for the gift. Life is a nuisance. Life is annoying. Life is hard. Life is difficult. But God is good. And God gives good gifts. What have you received? What have you received? A little girl was in a Christmas program. And uh, they were singing a song. Hark the herald angels sing. And uh, in the song, uh, it talks about you know the angels and everything like that. And... Um, one of, the, one of the lyrics is, With angelic host proclaim. And she was learning her song. She was learning her, her words. And sure enough, the day of the program came. And she gets up there and she sings with all her might, With the jelly toast proclaim. <laughs> it wasn't jelly toast in the sky proclaiming it to the shepherds. It was the angelic host. And I truly believe that there are two ways that we can be like the angels. To proclaim the good news and to praise God for the gift of his son. But let me give you some other suggestions. I got three of them that I'd like to share with you today. Some suggestions about how to put this sermon into action. You can't go anywhere now. You can't go shopping. You can't turn on the radio without hearing some kind of Christmas song, right? Maybe it's uh, a song about a reindeer or, or a jolly fat man or something like that. But occasionally, occasionally you'll hear a song 
about Jesus. You might be walking through Walmart and you hear a song about angels or you hear a song about a, a manger and, and cattle lowing and, uh, or a silent night. Would you do me a favor? This goes along with thanking God for the gift of his son. If you hear that song, maybe it's on the radio or on TV, if you hear a song like that, a song about Jesus, would you just whisper a quick prayer of thanks? Just for that moment, just say, thank you, God, for sending your son Jesus. Because it's so easy to get caught up in the hustle and the bustle. It's so easy to get caught up in the, uh, in the things of Christmas that it's become the consumerism, the materialism, the I've got to find this toy or my kid's going to have a conniption fit on Christmas morning. That's what I'm dealing with. At that moment, just in that moment, just say, thank you, God, for sending your son. Secondly, invite someone to church for next Sunday. Seven out of ten people polled. I don't know which poll this is, but seven out of ten people said that if someone just invited them to church, they'd go. At this time of year, it's the best time to invite someone because people are kind of bombarded with Christmas messages, and they're a little, you know, fruitcakeier and... Uh, if you just invite someone, who can you invite to come to worship next Sunday? Who can you invite to join us next Sunday for Christmas Sunday? So think about that, because we're going to talk about joy next week and the salvation. There's going to be a real heavy salvation message next week, so just kind of letting you know that. And the third thing that you can do, and this is real simple, wish people a Merry Christmas. Remind people that Jesus really is the reason for the season. It's not about the programs, it's not about the presents, it's not about the, the family and the friends and the turkey and the ham. It really is all about Jesus. About how God became flesh and dwelt among us. So wish somebody a Merry Christmas because you just might get an opportunity to tell them what it's really all about and proclaim the good news like the angels did so long ago. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for the gift of your Son. And it truly is a wonderful, marvelous gift. Thank you for the gift of salvation that comes only through him. That you made a wave and you made it possible for us to be saved and to spend eternity with you. Thank you for the angels who proclaimed, who announced the birth of Jesus. And we pray that, Lord, we would live lives worthy of the gift that we've been given. And that we would have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel to someone this week. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the gift of salvation through Jesus. And in his name we pray, amen.